Pastor Xavier Reese explains the difference between eternal life and a lifeless eternity. Physical death is the sealing of one's eternal destiny based on one's decision regarding Christ Jesus while you're living. Physical death for the believer brings him instantly present before God. Physical death for an unbeliever brings him or her instantly separated from God for all eternity. So it's the physical aspect, but the spiritual is for all eternity. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Just as a fireman needs water to put out a fire, or a lifeguard must be able to swim in order to rescue someone drowning, the saving power of the gospel hinges on the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, Pastor Xavier picks up where we left off last time in a study drawn from Paul's first writing to the Corinthians in which he lists eight implications of the believer who denies the physical resurrection of Jesus. Grab your Bible if it's handy as we begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 12 through 19. And the message is entitled, Implications for Denying the Resurrection. The resurrection of the body is something that is kind of hard to believe apart from Jesus Christ for the simple reason that Jesus is the only one who was ever raised from the dead in that quality of raising. In other words, he wasn't just merely brought back to life, but he was raised in a glorified body, just what is promised to us. Everyone else that Jesus rose from the dead, and even those from the Old Testament, were brought back to life, and they died again. Jesus did not. That's what he's talking about. The proposition here, this places a question in verse 12, posed to the Corinthians, sets the stage for the discourse to correct the doctrinal problem, which is answered by eight implications if a person denies the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the key proposition. Masterful job that Paul does here. First implication is that it contradicted the gospel and the proclamation, verse 12 and 13. Listen to the words again. And if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, the if is no doubt, it's since. In verse 2, the Corinthians had received the gospel of Paul and were saved if they held fast to it. There's the condition. The second implication is that if Christ is not risen, the preaching of the gospel was worthless. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. Preaching in vain. The resurrection of Christ and the message of the gospel are inseparable. They are one. The apostle preached the message of Christ Jesus risen from the grave and all other apostles from Pentecost on. Their message never waver. Let me just give you some few examples. In Acts 2.32, the day of Pentecost, Peter said, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are witnesses. Eyewitnesses. They saw him. They heard him. They touched him. And we can go from book to book. All the epistles, they all mention the death and resurrection. It is the heart of the gospel. Without it, there is no gospel. If this was not true, then they had embraced empty promises. But they had not. Third implication, still on 14. 
is that if Christ is not risen, their faith was of no value. And your faith is also empty. Some people think that faith is simply believing hard enough and long enough. But that is not faith, but mind over matter and hopeful wishing. Biblical faith is related to the revelation of God's word. Faith is based on what God has revealed, not on what I can imagine. Believing that he did for me what I could not do for myself by providing that sacrifice. Notice fourthly, 15 and 16. The fourth implication is that if Christ is not risen, they were found to be false witnesses for God. The three heralds, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, the personal pronoun we, they would be false representatives of God. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. The three of them would be lying about what God had revealed, making God one with their false claims of having raised Jesus. That's the implication. Look at 16. The three heralds, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, would then be messengers of deceit. Rather than being messengers of life, they would be messengers of death. Notice the fifth implication in 17 is that if Christ is not risen, then they were not justified before God for their sins. This is horrific. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Each person would have to have no basis for their standing before God. God is holy. You and I, we're not. We're just holy, all given to ourselves, <laughs> and to sin, and to lies, and to imperfections. Each person would be guilty before God then, having no standing, being accused by the law of being a lawbreaker, and being without any defense before God. The proclamation to the Corinthians would instead be that they would only look forward to stand before God one day to be judged for all their sins. What a scary scenario. Every person would have no mediator to intercede on their behalf, as Job said in Job 9.33. Job says, I have a problem. There's no umpire between us. One that can lay a hand on God and one on me. It's called a mediator. Every person would then be responsible for every sin they've ever committed in their lives to be able to explain, justify, to be in right position with God, being holy. That's a hard play. Every person would be like the evil servant who was unable to pay the debt in Matthew 18. And the master, being benevolent and kind, forgave him the millions he could not pay. But then he went out and got a servant friend, a brother who owed him pennies, and grabbed him and says, pay me what you owe me, lest I throw you in jail. And he couldn't pay him the pennies, so he threw him in jail. Another servant observed what was going on. He went back and told the master. The master recalled that servant and says, listen, did I not forgive you everything? He said, you evil servant. Now that parable is there not for you to say, I can't believe that guy. 
That parallel is there for you to put your name in there. That speaks of you. That speaks of me. That's my heart. That's my tendency. Okay? I can understand why God forgave me, but I'm not quite convinced why he forgave you. Welcome to humanity. The fifth implication that Christ has not risen is that they were not justified before God for their sins. Horrible. Notice 6 in verse 18. The sixth implication is that if Christ has not risen, then those who had died believing were lost eternally. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. The death referred to here is not mere physical death. The phrase fall in the sleep, as we've seen before, is a metaphor, euphemism for the believer's physical death. It is never used for a non-believer. Never. Physical death merely separates the soul and spirit from the body. As long as there's brainwave and there's breath coming, you look at them, regardless of their physical condition, you know the person's there. But the very second they give their last breath, you look at that shell, you know something happened. It's not a person any longer. The spirit and soul are separated from the physical tent. The physical death for the believer brings him Instantly present before the Lord, as we saw in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. We're never found naked. We're there here or we're there. Physical death for an unbeliever brings him or her instantly separated from God for all eternity. Never to have another chance. Anybody who gives you hope of a chance after death is the greatest deceiver and liar. And God will judge them severely. Your hope is while you're living, not after death. Physical death is the sealing of one's eternal destiny based on one's decision regarding Christ Jesus while you're living. Spiritual death separates man from God for all eternity. So it's the physical aspect, okay? But the spiritual is for all eternity. Spiritual death is called the second death in the scriptures. Revelation 20, verse 6. The second death does not affect the believer. Listen. Blessed and holy is he who has part of the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So those who are raised from the dead at the rapture and those after the tribulation period, that's the first resurrection. They reign and rule with Christ. Okay? The second resurrection is for all who stand at the white throne judgment in Revelation 20, verse 11. At the end of the thousand-year reign, these are non-believers, all who have rejected the gospel throughout all ages. The second death is not for the second chance to receive Christ. The second death does not give an opportunity for penance or anything else. It is simply taking people out of shield or the grave or hell, what we usually call, and they're brought before God. Already they have rejected Christ. Now they're going to be judged for their sins and sentenced in the lake of fire according to their sins. It's like someone who has been convicted guilty. They go to the pokey and they're there for a while until they're brought for their sentence. 
When they're brought forth, they're not going to be tried again. Now they're going to be sentenced. What it is they're going to get. That's the white throne judgment. You don't want to be there. You want to be at the Bema seat of Christ in the rapture. Okay? The Old Testament shield, New Testament Hades, and that is um, the twofold compartment, but Christ removed those in faith. He descended down to the lowest places, the priest of the prisoners there, 1 Peter 3.19, and Ephesians 4, 9, and 10, he ascended up on high, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul was caught up to the third heaven paradise, and there is now where paradise dwells, instantly present before the Lord for the believer. But those who die without Christ, they go to Sheol, Hades, or hell, whichever way you want to pronounce it, whichever one you want to choose, they're waiting their first sentence. After the thousand years, Revelation 20, verse 12 through 13, and the books will be open. And if their names are not found written, and they won't be if they're at the white throne judgment, they will never enter heaven. The place of Hades, death, and all who are now found in the book of life will be sentenced in death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire. Revelations 20, 14 through 15. If Christ has not risen, then all believers since the cross have perished, Paul says. Wow. It means lost, ruined, damned, and misery for all eternity. Being no different than believers and perhaps worse than believers who are pagans because we would have to be the biggest deceivers in the world. The sixth implication that Christ has not risen is that those who have died believing had perished eternally. Horrible. Notice seventh, 19. The seventh implication is that if Christ has not risen, our hope in Christ is only for this life on earth, then we are living under false hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. Hope is a quality of life that is essential for meaningful life. Without hope, as you have experienced in the years that you have lived, the past haunts man and condemns man living with guilt. Without hope, the present is hated, becomes a burden, merely existing from day to day. When you wake up, you wish it was night already. Without hope, a person sees themselves trapped with no way out. Be it a job, be it a marriage, you fill in the blank. Hebrews 11:1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. Study Hebrews 11. If the majority of people in the world were under the circumstance of the men of faith and women of faith there in Hebrews 11, they would have taken their lives. But because they were men and women of faith, they prevailed. They had hope. Hope is always in reference to the future. Faith is necessary for the present, bringing confidence. Hope is crucial for the future, bringing expectation and anticipation. There was a time in your life and mine when we in the past, there was a certain point in time when we decided to repent of our sins and faith and hope gripped our hearts that the scriptures proclaim. And we have yielded to that process along the way and we continue to do so, giving us a hopeful future regardless of the things that come into our lives. 
That's what makes us different from the world. And the world includes from totally corrupt to totally religious. Love links the present and the future together, bringing endurance, patience, and perseverance. Listen to Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. The seventh implication that Christ has not risen is that our hope in Christ is only for this life on earth and are living under false hope. That would be such a horrible deception of ourselves. We're saying it's got a hope for the future, but it's, it's, it's not even, it's, at best, it's only good for here. Notice eighthly, the rest of 19. The eighth implication is that if Christ has not risen, we are all of all men, most to be pitied. We are of all men, the most pitiable. The Corinthians, as well as all mankind, would be in the most wretched condition in this life. He's building off the previous sentence. The word pitiable means to be miserable and most to be pitied from such a horrible condition. It comes from the root word of mercy, meaning compassion. The word appears only one other time in this form in the New Testament. For the pitiable condition of the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church that we're seeing today. Listen carefully. You do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wretched is the word. Revelation 3.17. What does this church say? I am rich, wealthy, have need of nothing. Welcome to the emergent church. And the ecumenical church that is lined up with the world for today. And you don't even know it, he tells her. The condition is ascribed to the one who is in fact deceiving himself about something that in fact does not have any validity. In this case, the resurrection. The condition is ascribed to the Christian as one who is the most miserable of all mankind if in fact... Christ did not rise. The real contrast of the one to be most pitied is all humanity who have no hope in Christ in contrast to the Christian. We're to have pity on those who don't know Christ. Not criticize them. They're dead. You and I used to be there. We lived like dogs and died like hogs. But we wanted to go to heaven. <laughs> the Corinthians as well as all of mankind would be the most to be pitied in this life having been deceived if in fact Christ had not risen but listen he did if Christ had not risen if the content of the preaching was empty if their faith was empty if the apostles were false witnesses if they were still in their sins if those who had died believing had perished, if the person of Christ offered no hope, if the Christian was the most miserable person in the world. Take notice, the key to all this implication is if the resurrection of Christ had not taken place. But it did.
Therefore, thank God none of this is true. Jesus said in John 12, 24, except the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Simple illustration to proclaim an incredible truth. He was speaking of his own death and resurrection in the context. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection, the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. John 11, 25 and 26. He told Mary, Martha's sister, do you believe this? <laughs> the eighth implication that Christ has not risen is that they were of all men most to be pitied. After Sir Raleigh was beheaded in the tower, they found um, in his Bible these true and striking lines written the night before his death. Even such a time that takes in trust, our youth, our joys, are all we have, and pays us but with age and dust, who in the dark and silent grave when we have wandered all our ways, shut up the story of our days. But from this earth, this grave, this dust, my God shall raise me up. I thrust. Wow. I thrust. <laughs> Outward. The night before he was beheaded. What would you write in your Bible if you knew you were going to be executed tomorrow? Would it be, uh, I hope this stuff's true? then you've got a big problem right now. All the things of this world he had lost, but he had kept his faith. And his faith spoke of him, of the hope of being raised from the grave. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Examine the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is so well attested if you took it into a courtroom. And they just went on the evidence of the scriptures. They could only conclude one thing. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Aren't you glad that the message of the gospel has a heartbeat of resurrection? And that it's true? Not a lie? And so, the implications of denying the resurrection are serious. But the most serious offense is that it charges God was being a liar by revealing something that is really untrue. And so the first implication is that it contradicts the gospel and the proclamation. The second implication, Christ has not risen, is that their preaching was worthless. The third implication is that their faith was of no value. The fourth implication is that they are found to be false witnesses. The fifth implication is that they were not justified before God of their sins. The sixth implication is that then those who had died believing had perished eternally. The seventh implication is that our hope in Christ is only for this life, the on earth, and we are living under false hope. And the eighth and last implication is that they were all of all men most to be pitied. I pray 
that you're looking towards the resurrection. Pastor Xavier Reese, summarizing once again the eight implications of the believer who denies the physical resurrection of Jesus, as we find in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And you can request a copy of today's important study called Implications of Denying the Resurrection. It's available on CD for just $4. And this message also contains everything shared the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is Implications of Denying the Resurrection. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. When it comes to giving, it's been said that it's not how much of our money we give to God. It's how much of God's money do we keep for ourselves. Join Pastor Xavier Reese next time for more simple truths regarding our giving. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com